0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, one of the concerns around coronavirus vaccinations recently has been getting people to actually get the shot. This is part of a bigger area of study around vaccinations in general and getting people to take them, including flu vaccinations. A research study looked into what would spur higher adoption of vaccinations. That study was done in conjunction with With uh, the Wharton School and Walmart and the University of Pennsylvania and Geisinger Health Systems, Katie Milkman is a professor of operations, information and decisions and co-director of the Behavior Change for Good initiative at the Wharton School and one of the leads on this study. And she joins us right now. Katie, great to talk to you again. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the premise behind this research, and obviously it becomes even more important with, uh, with the, the need to get vaccinations done in this time of the coronavirus.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we were interested in using flu shots to test out some different strategies that we thought could be effective for encouraging COVID-19 vaccination. So we thought the flu season would be a great time to test different text messages that we would use to both encourage people to go into their primary care doctors and get flu shots and to go into pharmacies and get flu shots. And we, um, we felt like if we could build a set of messages that was portable that would obviously make sense in the context of either the flu or COVID-19 and then we could test them in the flu season. We'd be ready to offer sound advice on the right messaging strategies around COVID when the time came. So that's really yeah, so- what we were doing.
0: And so part of that is the fact that so many people have smartphones and we, we, we are constantly looking at our messages or our emails, that that's a, that's a fairly easy avenue to be able to try and connect with people.
1: Exactly. And in fact, the people who we tested this with were people who were used to getting text communications, either from their pharmacies or their doctor's offices, when they had an appointment or something to pick up at the pharmacy, and we wanted to see, could we use that same channel to communicate about the opportunity to get a vaccine in a way that would be highly compelling and lead them to actually show up at a higher rate.
0: So so what did you find out from the results?
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. Well, let me first just tell you a little bit more about the study, and then I'll summarize the key yep. findings. Yep. The study was done, as you said, in partnership with these two um, groups. We had um, Walmart Pharmacies as one partner, and in that study we had 735,000 Walmart customers. And then also with Penn Medicine and Geisner Health, two large health systems And there, we had about 50,000 patients who were coming in to see a primary care doctor for a healthy visit. And um, we actually tested literally dozens of different messages across these two groups, these two populations to see what was most effective. We had a team of Um, roughly 25 scientists in both cases ideating and coming up with different tactics that they thought might be effective, ranging from sharing a joke about the flu to get people to laugh and think more about it, maybe make it a little bit more memorable, to inviting people to dedicate their flu shot to someone else, um, to letting them know uh, a flu shot had been reserved for them. And what we found was the best messages actually were messages that Um, were of the same tone and style and sort of formality that you're used to getting from a pharmacy or a doctor's office. So some of the cutest things we tested really didn't work very well. Um, Simplicity was important, emphasizing reminders. And the big takeaway for me was the the top-performing message in both settings was a message that emphasized that a flu shot was either waiting for you or reserved for you. So highlighting there was one set aside essentially with your name on it um yeah. really, really resonated. In, in the case of doctor's visits, we saw that it increased the rate at which people got flu shots by about five percentage points, which is an 11% increase in adoption of the vaccine that we produced with that message. And it was also the best-performing message when we said a, a flu shot was waiting for you at Walmart pharmacies of all the messages we tested, outperforming some of the others by, again, up to 10% in terms of the number of people who who got their shot.
0: So seemingly by, by using that type of a text message, uh, you're establishing a more direct connection with that particular consumer of the fact that this is something that is directly geared for you.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, there's a few ingredients that we think make this this so potent. And I should note that um, a couple of members of our team, Gretchen Chapman of Carnegie Mellon University and Allison Buttonheim of Penn School of Nursing came up with this idea that it might be particularly potent if you felt like there was already a vaccine set aside for you, because it might feel like the default, like you're expected to get it. Now I'm not making a decision. I'm just walking in and putting out my arm for the thing that's already been set aside for me. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of research in behavioral science showing how powerful it is when you already feel something belongs to you. um, You're much more likely to value it more um, and you're, you're less willing to part with it. And so, I think the psychology of it is probably related to that sort of default effect or sometimes called the endowment effect when it's a physical thing that you own that you end up valuing more because it's in your possession. Um, You value more than you would if if you could, you know, just buy the same thing off of someone else. So that seems like part of it. And then there's the personalization, right? It really feels um, special to you. So, Uh, You know, we don't know for sure exactly what it is about saying it's reserved for you or waiting for you that is making it so potent because we'd have to go, you know, do more studies where we did follow up surveys. But we can see in these two experiments that those are the winning message, which suggests it's a pretty good idea, I think, for all of the the pharmacies and health systems that are going to be communicating in the months ahead as their vaccine supplies increase with their patients to let them know it's time to come in to use this kind of language.
0: So in terms of the study that you did there, there's also uh, in reading it, this, this timing component in terms of delivering the, me- <clears throat> excuse me, the messages basically like within the 72 hours prior to the person going in to get that shot or, you know, before that appointment time, correct?
1: That's right. And I'm glad you emphasized that because there's a lot of past research showing timely reminders are are important, that if I remind you you should get a flu vaccine, but there's no action you can actually take for ages. Like if I sent this message to you two months before a doctor's appointment, you'd have forgotten that I sent it by the time you see your primary care provider and they offer you the shot. So we thought it was really important. These are timely. We sent the first message 72 hours before an appointment, and the second came, in some cases in our tests as little as 15 minutes before you'd see your, your doctor. And so We were making sure that they were very timely so that it's top of mind at the moment when you have the opportunity to get that vaccine.
0: And so in terms of doing a text message to somebody, that's a relatively low-cost solution for these businesses to be able to try and get the higher adoption.
1: Absolutely. And that's, again, one of the reasons we focused here these text messages, you know, this is less than 10 cents a person. In fact, in some cases, you know, if you have good text messaging rates, the solution of sending a couple text messages is less than a penny a person. So it's incredibly cost effective if it's going to lead to a five percentage point jump in vaccination. Um, And so I think, you know, we should see we should see this across the board. And obviously, again, I said combined with other things, I I don't think like we can just send this one text message to people across the country and say, oh, look, we did all we needed to do to make sure they would get vaccinated. But but the hope is when we see evidence-based solutions, we we you know layer them on top of each other, and we get to a really good place.
0: Even even more so than doing, say, the traditional email reminder, correct?
1: Uh, you know, we didn't test email reminders in this population. We didn't have the ability okay. to do that, and so I wouldn't I wouldn't say let's not do email okay. reminders. There's no reason not to try many techniques. As sure. I said, I think a layered approach. This is a really important problem. I don't think we should think you know one one and done. So um, I hope there will be more testing of this type, and we hope to partner on more testing around different kinds of messaging for the COVID-19 vaccine itself. Again, this was done in anticipation of the vaccine and wanting to have results in time to be able to, you know, have a conversation like this when it's still early days and vaccination campaigns and, and make sure that people around the country hear this, that small pharmacies and large pharmacies, small hospitals and large hospital systems have time to set this up and use our, our results, but there's still time to, you know, improve and test things around exactly what will work for COVID-19. And I hope we'll, we'll partner on projects like that.
0: Yeah, even when you think about uh, the the issue of taking flu vaccines, we know there's obviously a a lot of history about people being lax in taking the flu vaccine. and, And that's something that's an annual event for, you know, for most people. We don't know yet, as you said, about the coronavirus, but still for flu vaccines, this could be very important as well.
1: That's right. And, you know, uh, uh, obviously the flu has been overshadowed by COVID-19 for good reason. And we've had a very mild flu season this year, in part because of right all the social distancing and masking that's going on, um, which has really dampened that down. But presumably when we get back to some semblance of normalcy, we'll have flu as another major threat. And this is another way we can tackle that. But it does also look like likely, you know, what I'm reading, at least from health experts, is that Uh, We're likely to be taking coronavirus vaccines at some frequency. It's not going to be sort of one and done. So we expect not only will we need to be encouraging people to get an annual flu vaccine using the best methods possible, but probably with some regularity, encouraging people to re-up their COVID-19 vaccines.
0: As you kind of alluded to, with with the partners that you had on this, with Walmart and the two health systems, These are all avenues that are going to be relied on that are being already relied on, but will be in the future for delivering the coronavirus vaccine. So while this may be originally intended for the flu, there obviously becomes a very important uh, reason to have this information in the short term with all of these different elements who would be distributing these vaccines.
1: Absolutely. And really, truly, that was the motive behind doing this work. When we geared up to do it um, in the early summer and reached out to partners like Walmart, it was with the hope that we would be able to generate insights that would be useful right now when we need the most to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations.
0: Katie, thanks very much for your time. Great job on the work. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Katie Milkman, Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions at the Wharton School and co-director of the Behavior Change for Good Initiative. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.